Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will begin our study from Exodus chapter 3. This message and previous messages are available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the flame burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, for I have seen their affliction, wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountains. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, they shall say, What's his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and have seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Now let us go. We beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, 
he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and you shall come to pass, it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall go not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold, raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. What a wonderful passage that is. It's got so much color in it. It's just so, it's, it's hard not to smile when you read it. All right, now, this, the background of this. This has been a very long time since God has visited his people. It's been 400 years. It's hard for us to think about that. I mean, our country is a little more than 200 years old. This is like twice the age of our country. And 400 years ago from this point of where, the, where we are in the passage, there was a great Jewish man who was the prime minister, the most powerful man next to Pharaoh, on, in control in Egypt. That was Joseph. That was a good time when the Jewish people enjoyed a prominence in the land of Egypt. And so the book of Genesis, and if, since you're not very far from it, if you turn over to verse uh, chapter 50 of Genesis, the last chapter in Genesis, the book of Genesis ends with a pretty good situation for the Jewish people. It says there in verse 22, 50, 22, Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived 110 years. But Joseph knew that the promise had been made to his great-grandfather Abraham, his grandfather Isaac, his father Jacob, that that land of Egypt, as good as it was, and it was good, that was not going to be their long-term home. That they, that, that, and so just before he died, just before Joseph died, he affirmed this to his brethren. And in verse 24, you see there, Genesis 50, verse 24, 26, it says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God shall surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. You would have thought, if somebody died, that just leave him alone, and wherever he's buried there. But he wanted his bones, because it was a sign of what, of, uh, that God was going to visit them. You know, it reminds me of a um, time I was on an airplane, and I sat next to this man, and, and he had an accent, so I said, where are you from? And he said, um, he said, he was from Egypt. And I said, oh, Egypt. I said, that's very interesting. I said, my people spent a long time in your country. I told him. <laughs> I, said, I said, it started off very, very nice. I said, we, we really had a good time there. I said, we was a very nice area of Goshen. We were there. And, and I, maybe we wore out our welcome. I don't know. But things got a little bit, uh, they changed a little bit. And um, it got a little bit worse and worse. And so we all left. I told him, I said, we all left. And I said, in a very, uh, this is very strange, I said, a very famous book, a bestseller, was written about our leaving. As a matter of fact, that was the title of the book, The Leaving. And, he, and I, it's such a strange name for a book, The Leaving. And he didn't know what I was talking about. I told him, I said, and we had a very famous leader who took us out, Moses, then he understood. Anyway, that's what happened. But in, in the beginning, it was a very, very good place. For Egypt, and it was, and, and, and it was very tempting for 
the, for the Jewish people to say, well, well, you know, what do we need uh, the Canaan for? It's very comfortable here. I mean, uh, you know, this is, this, is, this is not so bad. And, you know, it makes us think a little bit about living here in San Diego. San Diego's a great place to live. I mean, you got the weather and the beaches and, and the ocean. And it's very easy for us to come to church on Sunday morning and to sing, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Very easy for us to sing that, but inside in our hearts saying, wouldn't be so bad. If, <laughs> and God, it, it's almost like, remember there were two tribes, Reuben and Gad, and as they were going into the, into the land before they crossed the Jordan, they came and they said, you know, this isn't such a bad place we're in right now, and we have cattle, and this is a good place for cattle, they said in Numbers 32. They said to Moses, could we just stay here? And that was a very serious thing. And, but anyway, they finally did get their way, only after they promised to go in and conquer the rest of the land. But God would say to us, if we're tempted like that, as nice as this place is, it's stained with sin. It's not our home. You know, it, 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 whether you're watching on the television, you know, I have a little sign at the bottom of my TV set. It says, Be holy, for I am holy. And that's not easy when you turn on the TV. <laughs> and, this is, this is, and so Micah 2.10 is the verse for us. Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest, because it's polluted. It shall destroy you, even with the sore destruction. Now, we come now to this new book in Exodus, and Exodus is sort of like the book of Genesis. In, in Genesis, we have the beginning of creation, so many beginnings. Exodus is also a beginning. It's a beginning of a redemption of a whole people. This is the book where God says, I redeem the Jewish people to myself. That's what he says here. That's what Exodus is. And so the book starts off telling us about new things. And if you're there in Exodus 1, there's all kinds of new things that happen. First of all, in verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8, there's a new king. It says, there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Then in verse 9, he said unto the people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. So there's a new fear among the Egyptian people against the Jewish people. In verse 11, Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, and it names them here, Python and Ramses. So here's a new strategy on the part of the Egyptians on how to deal with the Jewish people. Verse 14, And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. So here's a new life for the Jewish people, a life of hardness. And in verse 16, And he said, When ye do the office of the midwife of the Hebrew women, to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son... Sorry, you, then you shall kill him, but if it be a daughter, then she shall live. So here's a new f final solution. Here's a new plan to exterminate the Jewish people. So this is what happened. And then, because they were very clever, the, the, the Jewish women, then he went ahead and he, and he charged in verse 22, Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, every son that's born you shall cast into the river. So here's a new law for all the Egyptian people to follow, that they should take over and do what the midwives were not doing, which was kill the firstborn. So this is a very, very, very new situation here that's happened within Egypt. And in Exodus 2, a man takes a wife, 
and a baby boy is born, and she keeps him for three months, and then she can't conceal him any longer, so she puts the boy, you know the, the, the account, she puts the boy in a little boat, a little ark, and she sends it off to float away. And Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter just happens. You know, that picture of her sending it off, you know, this in, um, in Takati, we have um, graduation from our school there of, um, of, uh, of our six-year-old kids when they graduate and they go from our school where we love them and, and care for them and give them God, give them the gospel, train and teach them, but then we have to send them off because that's as far as we go, six years old, into the public schools. And so every year I bring this message. And I've, I said, picture uh, the mother of Moses there washing her baby with her tears as she sets her baby and then has forced to send him off. And so I, I tell, it's a sunny way and we pray for the kids. Well, that, that, that is quite a coincidence that the daughter of Pharaoh just happens to be washing herself during that time. There's no such thing as coincidence with God's economy. But what we want to do is keep this in mind and then in your place here in Exodus 3 and turn to Acts chapter 7. Because in Acts chapter 7, I'm telling you, the Acts chapter 7 are Stephen's last words before he's stoned in Acts chapter 7. And if you want to get the gist and the direction of the whole of the Old Testament, really study Acts chapter 7, his sermon. Because it's really the sermon of the Holy Spirit, speaking through Stephen. But we get so much direction as to how to view the Old Testament. In Acts chapter 7, in his last words there, notice in in, uh, verse 20 there, as it says, it's a start reading, I'll start there. In which time Moses was born... Acts 7.20, and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. And he supposed that his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. The next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, you are brethren, why do you wrong one another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying. It was a stranger in the land of Midian where he begat two sons and when 40 years were expired. We'll stop there. So there's a picture here. You know, when, when, you, when, you, when you look in the scriptures, to interpret it, you look at the scriptures, you look for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he said, search the scriptures. In them you think you have life? They are they which testify of me. So many ways The Old Testament testifies of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the key ways is by types or by pictures, little snapshots, not videos. You get in trouble if you try to look for videos because then you say, that doesn't quite match. So get into the habit of looking for snapshots. And there's a snapshot right here that we've got. And and here is Moses being, well, as it says in Acts 7, cast out by his mother. 
putting Moses in there, sending him off. That little snapshot. What is that? Color Moses, color Moses, the Savior of the Jewish people, the Lord Jesus Christ. Color him the Lord Jesus Christ. Color Moses' mother, as, as it says in, in Acts, casting him off, because she's forced to. Never mind the video that she's the mother in it, just a snapshot. It says, color her the Jewish people. As that's the point that Stephen's making here. Color her the Jewish people. Casting him off. And then see, in John 1.11, he came unto his own, and his own, what do they do? They, yeah, they, they cast him off. Oh, we won't have this man to reign over us. They didn't receive him. They put their hand in his chest. As he's like this, they're like this. And they're pushing him off. Then Stephen says, it says in Acts 7, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. Now, that's a snapshot. Get that snapshot. Freeze that frame right there. What's that? This is Pharaoh's daughter reaching down. That's a picture right there. Just capture that. Color Moses, the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. Color Pharaoh's daughter, the Gentiles. Taking him up of who had been cast away. That's what Stephen's saying here. He's building this picture. So what's that? That's Romans, I'm sorry, that's John, the next verse, 112. He came unto his own, his own received him not, they cast him off. But as many as what? received him or took him up. To them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. See, there's a little picture here. Now, verse 22, we're still in Acts here. Verse 22, it says, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. You know, that's quite a statement. You know, Egypt just wasn't any, just any old country. Egypt was the capital and the center for learning. Alexandria had the world library in it, and all the scholars were there. Egypt also was a conquering country. They were a warring country. So when he says, it says that he was mighty in deeds, that means that he went to the West Point of Egypt, and he was a mighty commander, a military commander, Moses was, and a great orator, Moses was, mighty in words, also, and so this is, this is very, very important to, to see here. Now, in verse 23, it says, When he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of, of, of Israel. And then we just read the whole, the whole part there. But I want you to think about that. It came into Moses' heart to visit his brethren, the Jewish people. It doesn't say... He thought about that, or it came into his mind or his head. You know, he, did, he didn't sit there and say, you know, I, I, I know I've been raised an Egyptian, but, you know, I was, I was born Jewish, and, I, you know, I really should. I, I should go see them, see how they're doing. You know, I ought to go see, and, and I need to do that. It's my duty. Something I ought to do that. You know, it came into his heart. What does it mean? He loved his people. He loved his brethren. He, he could say, I care about them. I care what happens. I want to help them. Freeze that frame of Moses and it coming into his heart and this picture of concern and care and love and a certain anxiety over him. Freeze that frame. And color Moses the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he's concerned about his brethren. You know, I'm going to give you some verses here. Matthew 15, 24. He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew 10, 5 through 6, it talked about his own sending, even as my Father has sent me, so send I you. So in Matthew 10, 5, 6, it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth, commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What is that? It came into his heart to visit his brethren. Mark 1, 37-39, they said unto them, All men seek for thee. And he said, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. What is he talking about? Going to every town in Israel. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee. And then he comes to, to, to Matthew 23, 37, that famous verse where he stands over the city. He looks at the city. This is God speaking, but fully man, as Ed said, with great humility, but yet a great broken heart. And he cries out, and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This is the breaking of his heart. And he says to them, he said, he said, How? He said, he said thou that killest the prophets. He sees them killing the prophets that God had sent to speak to them. And stonest them which are sent unto thee. He sees them. He sees them. He sees the ones who, who he had faithfully sent down through the years. And they killed them like Isaiah and all the prophets. And he said, how often? So he sees the repetition of the times when God stretched out his arms to them. Would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings? So he sees the protecting wings of God. And then he says the tragic words, and you would not, you would not, you would not. Now, just as it came into the heart of of, uh, Moses, to visit his, his people, it came into the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Mark 6.34, now listen to the gist of this. It says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. He taught them. Next verse is Matthew 9.36. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, again, compassion, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He then led them. Tom, from that last verse that we talked about today, why does it say that Jesus taught them after he had compassion on them? It's very important, this relationship between compassion and teaching. It's stated, as we saw, more than one time in the New Testament when it's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. When he taught, it was a matter of compassion. It was not a matter of some dry, dusty speaker trying to impart more and more knowledge and building up some kind of a library of information in these people. No, 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 no. He was compassionate because of what it says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. What does it say in Hosea 4, 6? My people are destroyed 
for lack of knowledge. Destroyed for lack of knowledge. How could they be destroyed for lack of knowledge? Because they don't know how to get to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lack of knowledge that leads to hell. How could they be destroyed for lack of knowledge? Because they don't know that their sin has been atoned for on the cross, that God is offering to them free salvation as a gift of God, and all they have to do is believe and be saved, that they don't know that they can stop their work of do, 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 and trying to earn their way into heaven, that they don't know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, so that whoever just believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because they don't know those things, they're destroyed. Because he sees that they're going to be destroyed because they don't know those things, he has compassion on them. And what is the the action to his compassion? He teaches, and he teaches. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as Tom Cantor continues to teach us out of the Bible from Exodus chapter 3. Now, do you have a Jewish friend or know of a Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel? Would you like to give them a gospel gift or have one sent to them? You can contact us directly by phone and we can help you to do that. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. And we can help you to fulfill God's command to go to his lost nation of Jewish people first. Because many of us know a Jewish doctor, lawyer, businessman, friend, neighbor, co-worker, or Jewish family member that we want to reach with the gospel. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. You can call us and get a copy of today's broadcast as well. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org and get a free download or listen to today's message. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow.